there. It is Eric Erickson here. If you would like to call in, you're more than welcome. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I'm tired of talking about all the political headlines and all the yin-yang back together. Um, I, I, I want to, I want to talk about something else, although it does have political implications here. I try to be friends with people. I don't consider myself a nasty person. I realize there are people who do, uh, some people on the right do, oh, you're so condescending, uh, to me. Well, you know, sometimes just pointing out that you're an idiot, it hurts your feelings. People on the left are really like, oh, you're just one of those condescending evangelical Christian conservative. Yeah. Number of people who've tried to throw me off the air over the years because I've hurt their soul is is something. I try to be as affable as I can and to show grace to people who who don't don't have any interest in showing it to me. They come up with an excuse to not. Um, and I can tell you one of the more interesting things in my life to see and to note is this recurring pattern. You know, the people who hate me the most. So I, I I've said this several times and, and people think I'm joking. And I'm really not on more than one occasion. I have literally been at a urinal peen in the airport and had people recognize me and decide to come start yelling at me while I'm peeing. While I'm exposed and, and I've never turned around to confront them. Probably should. I one time uh, in North Atlanta went into a Chick-fil-A. I was on my way up to a fundraising event for a friend of mine who was running for office. And I had to stop to use the bathroom. No cleaner restroom in America than in Chick-fil-A. So I went in there. And this old man, and he was an old man followed me in and began yelling at me because I had taken a position on radio he did not like and I needed to know about it. I've had people show up at my house to threaten my family. I've had people leave things in our mailbox. I've had people pull into our driveway in the middle of the night. I've had people, lots of people, people still do come very slowly past the house. Sometimes it's just curiosity. Sometimes they're mad. Sometimes they want me to know I know you live there. And I've encountered people. In fact, it happened this very morning. Someone realized who I was and their face got angry. This person had a vote smart, vote Democrat on the back of their car and a human rights campaign sticker. Seemed to be having a good morning until he saw me leaving the restaurant at the same time he was and turned and his face turned into a scowl. He knew who I was. You know these things. But you know the people who are most likely to do that? The people who are most likely to be angry with you? The people who will come up and yell at you while you're peeing in the airport? They're the ones who feel betrayed. They're the ones who feel genuinely like you have betrayed them. You've hurt their soul. A friend of mine, you know, this is the thing I, that, that separates my really good friends from others. My really good friends understand there's no reason to get this in my head. There's no reason to make sure I know someone is bad-mouthing me. I, I can tell my real, genuine, longtime friends from the people who are just kind of my casual acquaintance friends is the casual cadence. Do you know this person's attacking you? 
Did you hear what this person said about you? Your real friends don't do that because they know it, 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 it may mess with you. And, and, you know, sometimes it does when I find out someone that I've always considered a friend is actually somewhere trashing me, and this has happened recently. And it's always the same thing. It is always that I have betrayed them. In some way, they feel like I have stabbed them in the back. Why? Genuinely, generally, it is because there is an issue about which they presumed we agreed, and they find out not only do I not, but I am absolutely antithetical to their position. And I've got a radio platform, and I'm talking about it, and they disagree with me, and I have betrayed them. One of these people sent me a screenshot the other day. A group of elderly women. They are elderly women. They're like um, um, walking stick women. Trying not to say blue hair. Trying to do better on that. They're they're elderly. Don't mean it offensively, but I've noticed that 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 the the the, the senior seasoned citizens among you get really upset when I point out that these are like probably too old for Facebook people. And they're on Facebook. They're railing against me, savaging me for something. They hated it. What the, what made them really, 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 really mad is that I agreed with them on an issue. And they had just gotten to the point where they hated me and everything I stood for. And these people, I knew who these women were because they used to be my cheerleaders. They were the people who cheered for me all the time. Oh, you're so good and and oh my gosh, you're so refreshing on radio and, and you're not that guy. You're you. And you talk about Jesus on the radio and 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 we're so glad you're there. And then 2016 came and I didn't support Donald Trump in 2016. And it was a betrayal. And thereafter, anytime I supported them on anything, well, it was a one-off thing that it was really I was bad and I was a hater. And then here comes 2020, and, and not only am I having the Trump family on the show, I'm supporting Trump. I, I'm hanging out with the vice president, who's been a longtime friend, who's always been kind to me, even as we disagreed on stuff in 2016. And But yet these women, they, they've internalized their hatred for me because I had betrayed them by not supporting Trump. They felt like I rubbed their nose in it. Maybe they were right. That I wasn't, I, I wasn't showing any humility. I was wrong. I'm bad, and now here I am agreeing with them on something, and it makes them furious that I agree with them. They're 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 mad at me because I agree with them. Now there's no winning. Now it's a betrayal. Those are the people who get the maddest at you. The ones who feel betrayed. They're the ones who come after you and want to wipe out your career. They're the ones who send you the emails that you should shut up. Your wife's got cancer and you need your insurance and I'm going to take your job from you if you don't stop it. The ones who think they can hold your wife's cancer over your head, they're the really demented ones. They're the ones who yell at you while you're peeing in the bathroom at Two Dead Mares International Airport. You know, the liberals who hate you, they they can intimidate you. I've had this happen before. I had a progressive did not like my position on gay marriage, subscribed me to some pretty explicit stuff, couldn't let the kids check the mailbox. One time, I, I don't, I, I, it was the during the Charlie Hebdo stuff, I said something 
uh, one, of, one of the progressive gay rights groups in America really didn't like. We had people pull into our driveway in the middle of the night and just park for a minute. Oh, it was clear. No, it was no accident. It, it was absolutely clear. They just wanted me to know they knew where I lived. The left does this, but a lot of people, it's, it's the people who feel betrayed. Now, I say all this because I was watching last night the Mark Twain Award from 2019. Do you know who the recipient of the Mark Twain Award? Now, the Mark Twain Award is the big award for comedy. It is named for Mark Twain. And in 2019, it was given to none other than Dave Chappelle. What I found funny is it was a PBS production. It was well-produced. It's put on Netflix. That's where all of his stuff resides these days. And you know what? They put in clips and they laughed on stage about some of what he said about the tease of the LGBT community. This is from three years ago. And they were all on stage yucking it up about this stuff. Laughing about it. Having a good time. And now, fast forward three years. And by the way, that show was put out two years ago. It wasn't even three years old. It was put out in June of 2019 or 2020. The award was given in 2019. I thought it was very funny. One of the people on stage said to Chappelle, you know, you and Mark Twain have a whole lot in common. Y'all both use the same word a lot to describe people. It's the N-word is what they were talking about. <laughs> but they were all laughing about it. They were having a good time. But suddenly this past year, there's been a ferocious effort by some, including a couple of the people who were there that night to honor him, to shut him up. People need to apologize for liking him. It's kind of amazing when a, when a small minority suddenly believes it's in the majority, it thinks it can rally the cause. Gertrude Himmelfarb, the philosopher, said evil preaches tolerance until it's dominant, and then it seeks to silence the good. Reminds me lately of, of what they, they are doing with Shapiro, but what it is is these people thought he was on their side, even with the jokes. And now they kind of realize, despite what he says and what he believes and what he practices, that that he's doing them more harm than good. He, he's he's putting them back. He's telling them maybe slow down a little bit if you want to get public acceptance. They want it now, and so they feel betrayed. And they want to shut him up. Which gets me then to Joe Rogan, an MMA guy, a TV guy, fear factor, all of that. A Bernie Sanders supporter. He's pro-pot, pro-gay marriage. He, he's pro-social progressivism. But the social progressives these days, they're kind of freaked out about COVID. A lot of it is they don't really have a relationship with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they think this is all there is, and they want to hold on to it as long as possible. So they're governed by fear, and this guy is allowing heterodox voices on. Those are the voices who say things contrary to popular opinion. And they can't have Joe Rogan doing that. He's betrayed them. He was one of them. He's a Bernie Sanders supporter. He's of the left, and therefore... The people who, who feel the most betrayed by you, they're the ones who are the most savage to you because they're the ones who can't muster grace because you're a traitor to their side. 
no grace for traitors. So they got to shut up Joe Rogan. And it's funny with Rogan and with Chappelle, how they do it. They themselves don't have the clout to do it, but they have friends in the media. So the media does it for them. CNN has gone above and beyond trying to get Spotify to shut up Joe Rogan. CNN and MSNBC went after Dave Chappelle and went after Netflix. It's these small angry groups on the left who have their friends in the media and using their friends to shut up those they don't like. And in CNN's case, they're the truth teller. So we can't have Joe Rogan out there saying anything contrary to what we vet as the truth because we are the truth tellers. Pay no attention to Jeff Zucker. Pay no attention to the scandals. Pay no attention to the stories they got wrong. Pay no attention to doubling down on things where the science has moved on from, and they're still doubling down on the things science now says is not science. They're the truth tellers. And so they themselves are betrayed by Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan's in the industry now. Because he's in the industry, yeah, he's he's competing against CNN's podcast. They got to shut him down because, one, he's a competitive threat, and two, He's not telling things that CNN once told is truth. And they'll say, well, we're not censoring. Censorship is when the government shuts us up. When the government outsources the public square to private entities, maybe we do need to do something to allow these voices. You know, Rogan himself could get off Spotify, probably go build his own platform and make just as much money. But he committed, and now it's a matter of principle. you got to stick to your guns. You know, they're bullying Chappelle, and Chappelle, in his last show, basically said, you know, I'm done telling jokes about the T's, about the the transgender community. He's done with the whole LGBTQ stuff because they're not laughing, and, and he doesn't want to tell jokes unless everybody can laugh and laugh at the same thing. So what's he going to do? I, I don't know. He hadn't apologized. He's not going to apologize. It's kind of funny. I watched that last night, and... I heard him say he disagrees with a lot of lot of people on stage. He says he knows comedians who are racist. And they'll tell a joke. He's like, oh, I'm going to steal that joke. That joke is funny. Doesn't care that they're racist. That it's the art form. And the art form is worth saving. That the stand-up comedy stage is the last place in America where you can say the things everybody's thinking and everybody's too scared to say. And now probably can't even do that. The problem here sometimes that makes things fester and people want to redraw where the line is and they say outlandish things and they keep wanting to advance the line and there is a double standard and people resent the double standard and sometimes with the double standard people step across the line intentionally to highlight the double standard blow themselves up on purpose it's hard to know where the standard is these days. It's really if, if I offend someone on the left, they're going to come after me. But if I if I make someone on the right feel betrayed, they're going to come after me harder than anyone on the left would. And the betrayal is the issue. The larger issue here is that all of us these days, we don't want to connect to the truth. We want to connect to a person who we want to affirm us and our truth. But you know, you can't move forward as a society if we're just affirming each other's personal truth. Sometimes you got to actually tell the truth, whether it's through comedy or through the opinions of other people who themselves may be wrong, but the accumulation of the errors themselves reveal the truth. 
Nobody's really interested in that anymore. They just want the pat on the back and the attaboy. And if they don't get it, they may show up in the middle of you peeing in an airport and yell at you for daring to dissent. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bull and Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D branch.com promo code Eric E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Let me go to Daniel who's calling here. This one's super focused on Georgia, but I'll allow it. Welcome. Eric, it's good to hear from you. It's been a while since I've talked to you. Let me get straight to my point because i got to get somewhere. Um, I was actually watching Fox 5 this morning, and I understand um, you can double-check it, but, I mean, uh, Vernon Jones is expected to drop out of the governor's race um, after consulting with President Trump, um, according to uh, reports, and jump into the either the sixth or the tenth congressional race. And my thing is, I live in the tenth congressional race, and there's probably only two people that I really even consider that I want to vote for. So I guess I'll just have to plug my nose and vote for. Uh, Mike Collins, if he does become the nominee, I don't like him or Vernon Jones, but uh, needless to say, is President Trump just trying to back people just to be spiteful to uh, uh, Brian Yes, yes, not going yes. to vote for Trump in 2024? There's a there's a whole lot of spite, and again, it, it, it goes exactly to the point I was making there, Daniel. Thank you for the phone call. Uh, travel safe. Uh, that that betrayal. Uh, betrayal, when you feel betrayed by someone you used to like, that's when the hatred comes out and Trump feels betrayed. This is about, uh, in Georgia, there's a candidate, Vernon Jones. He was a Democrat up until about a minute ago, a pro-abortion Democrat up until about a minute ago, when he suddenly became a pro-life Republican. He voted against fetal heartbeat bill in the Georgia legislature and then announced himself as a pro-life Republican. He wanted Trump's endorsement to challenge Brian Kemp. The guy's got so much baggage. I mean, this man, um, he, he, he makes the the baggage exchange at the airport. just It would overflow with all of his baggage if it was unloaded there. And so he ran for governor, spent a lot of money on yard signs up and down the interstate. That's about what his whole campaign was, was yard signs. And then suddenly David Perdue jumped in with Donald Trump's blessing. New ad out about um, about Trump endorsing Perdue. And so now Vernon Jones has to go somewhere, the 6th or the 10th. Uh, he's not going to get a pass in either of these races if he jumps in, even with the Trump endorsement. 
Uh, it'll be a messy, messy, messy race for him one way or the other. He just, he got out of politics and he's trying to stick around. There's nothing sadder than a politician who just has to stay in politics because they can't get a job anywhere else. Those are always the ones you try to avoid. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, Georgia State Representative Tommy Bitten, he's a Republican in the state of Georgia, has gone on record praising the Ku Klux Klan, saying while he didn't agree with their methods, quote, they made people straighten up. Yes, he said that. That is his quote. Uh, the KKK made, quote, people straighten up. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he asserts the Civil War wasn't fought over slavery. He compared the Confederate leaders to the Founding Fathers uh, and said uh, while he didn't agree with all the methods of the Ku Klux Klan, they, quote, made a lot of people straighten up. You will not be surprised to learn that this same state representative, Tommy Benton, uh, just voted against uh, allowing black children in public schools to take advantage of vouchers to get into private schools or out of failing schools. Yep. A guy who praises the Klan doesn't want to let uh, black kids get a better education. Surprise! Surprise! My gosh. All right. Uh, to the phones I go. Ronald, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Hi there. Uh, the uh, They're saying over the, over the uh, I've been hearing over the news, all these 400,000 jobs that's been created. Is that not jobs that's been vacant that they've refilled? Oh, I'm glad you raised this question because, yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the government, no one nor the private sector created 400,000 jobs. Uh, this is just filling back in the hole that was left in the wake of, of the COVID lockdowns. Uh, the, the Biden administration wants to claim their jobs created. No, they're not jobs created. They are just jobs coming back. And interestingly enough, uh, yesterday they seeded the ground. It, it was a ploy. And I didn't even want to talk about it because I knew it had to be employed because everybody was coming out. It's the jobs. They're going to be worried. It's going to be a terrible jobs report. We don't know what it's going to be. We just, we, 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 we please, please, the jobs are going to be terrible. Please let's discover it. And then, oh my gosh, it's 400,000. It was just, it's so, no, it's not actually 400,000 new jobs. It's 400,000 jobs brought back into the economy that were gone. The spin on this stuff has been remarkable. Let's talk about family. You, you know the, the TV show Family Man. Did I knew that? Uh, my kids love running around now. If they cause problems in the house, they, they do the Urkel. Did I do that? From Family Matters. Um, there's some data out. Census data. The percentage of all children living with two married parents by race. In 2007, the number of kids who lived in a two-parent nuclear household was 67.8%. It's down to 65.8%. In white families, it is 73.9 in 2007, down to 71.3. In non-Hispanic white families, that is white people who aren't Hispanic, 76.2% of kids were in a two-parent heterosexual nuclear household. I shouldn't say heterosexual in this case. It, it, it gender doesn't, or sexuality doesn't matter. It's just two-parent nuclear household with 76.2% in 2007. It is down to 75.1%. Among Hispanic families, 65.6% 
of kids were raised in a two-parent household in 2007, down to 60.9% in 2009. Among Asian families, 85.2% were in two-parent households in 2007, 84.5% in 2019. An Asian family is more likely to be a two-parent household than any other group. In 2007, 36.6% of black kids were in a two-parent household. In 2019, it's 37.7. So basically, two-thirds of kids in black families are in broken homes. While in Asian families, 84.5% are. It's not a coincidence that a lot of colleges discriminate against Asian kids because of their academic success and one in other kids. Now, it's encouraging that the rate of kids in black families to be in a two-parent household has gone up, but it's only gone up by about a point, statistically not significant. This is from the U.S. Census Bureau. We have a problem in the country that nobody likes to talk about, and it is broken homes. It is not a coincidence at all, I don't think, that the most academically successful kids happen to be in Asian families, and Asian families happen to be the ones most likely to stay together. Among white households, three-quarters of kids are in two-parent households. It is not a coincidence to me that uh, the kids in society who tend to be the most likely to go into gangs, the most likely to get arrested, the most likely to engage in violence, the most likely to not do well in school tend to come from broken homes. And it is not a surprise to me that uh, in black families, only a third are in two-parent households. Question, and I mean this question sincerely, and this is what gets me in trouble sometimes because I delve into this when nobody else does, and maybe I shouldn't. You don't get this talk in conservative radio, even though conservatives talk about it behind the scenes. Question, is marriage racist? Is marriage racist? Because we're told that the systems of our society are racist. Systemic racism is everywhere, you know. The systems are racist. Marriage is a system. Is it racist? No, it's not. In fact, if you want to combat childhood poverty, if you want to combat childhood illiteracy, if you want to combat gang violence, if you want to combat violence, if you want to combat crime, if you want to combat failures in education, if you want to combat the wealth gap, if you want to combat any of that, you got to boost the numbers of people in two-parent homes. You're more likely to be poor and to do drugs and to drop out of school in a single-parent household. And, you know, when I talk about this, by the way, the, this, the thing happens, and it's going to happen in the next few minutes. Someone is going to either call here or send me an email. They're probably pulling up my email address right now to send me hate mail from a single mom who feels disrespected by me talking about this. And I don't mean this to be an indictment of single moms. you got a hard job. Let me tell you, when my wife is out of town, it is crushing. Even at my kid's age, they're fairly self-sufficient. I respect a single mom, but it doesn't 
undermine the fact that a two-parent household is better for kids. And oftentimes it's the dad who screws up. And, and I want to address this particular issue. Dads matter. And the entirety of society these days tends to disparage dads. The dad is the butt of the jokes and all the commercials and on the TV shows. The dad is useless and meaningless and Uncle Sam can substitute just fine. This is a failure on the part of men in society more than women. And the men have to step up. But also, it's, it's a problem with society in general. Society devalues marriage. In fact, there's a growing number of single people, and there's a growing number of people who think that it's a-okay to have kids out of wedlock. And in fact, a whole lot of kids these days are produced out of wedlock. And all of the data shows it is bad for the kids. G.K. Chesterton, the great Catholic philosopher, had a statement. I love the statement, uh, the democracy of the dead. You, If you've listened to this radio program sometime in the last 10 years that I've been on, you've probably heard me talk about the democracy of the dead. The democracy of the dead is that uh, the, the dead have, through history and patterns and practices and failures and successes, ordered the society we have and the way it works. And we should not be so quick to throw off those things chosen by the democracy of the dead. So the democracy of the dead is the patterns of historic living. You know, we, you can say that God ordained these things. God ordained that there should be men and women. They should be united in marriage and they should raise children. That is the way it probably should be. But you take God out of the equation, very animalistic. Uh, most animal patterns, they just, kid gets born and eventually grows up and moves off and, and there's not really a parental pattern. Humans are unique in that regard. There are some animals that mimic this pattern, but mostly it's us. And over time, you know, there was polygamy. There were arranged marriages. There were uh, men who had multiple women and multiple wives. And over time, society settled on, you know what? have just one man and just one woman, let them have kids and raise them, oftentimes in extended families. And in the modern West in particular, we got rid of the whole extended family living. And over time, really, it's been a phenomenon of the last 50 years, we've gotten rid of the two-parent family. You don't need it. The government can subsidize you. The government can take care of you. Uncle Sam's man boob suffices. We have ignored the democracy of the dead that tried everything and settled on what worked over thousands of years, and that was two parents in a house with kids. Raising them is the best way to do it. Now, one of the remarkable things about COVID has been this dramatic shift back to having one parent stay home and take care of the kids while the other one works. It turns out a lot of families realized they could do it, and not only that, it was necessary because they saw the kids' terrible educations that they were getting in schools from the Zoom calls and decided that, they wanted to, to change things. But it matters. The academic success of your children matters. And I got to tell you, there has been this mythologizing of the cultural elite in the past few years that if you're in an unhappy marriage, you might as well go find happiness. You should value your happiness over your marriage. And I think that's wrong. Unless there's abuse going on, it's better to stick it out for the kids. Now, I know that the, the left has elevated writers who said, man, I wish my parents got a divorce. They were so miserable. They made me miserable. And, and I hear this. There are books written and people say this. 
But you know, there are far more people out there who have stuck to it and their kids have benefited by having the parents just make it work. And that's hard to say because, well, you don't know. You don't know. I don't. But I know lots of kids who got out of the house, got into college, and then their parents said, all right, it's time to go separate ways. And that's when they did it. And the kids think, thank God they stayed together for me. And the data bears it out. Maybe tough for you to hear, but the data shows that kids do better in a two-parent household. And if that makes you feel a little guilty, maybe it should. I'm not going to absolve you of that. All of the data shows this. The data for future wealth. You know, think about this. The the left in this country, which is pro-abortion, is pro-easy divorce cultures, is largely anti-marriage these days, is upset about the wealth gap in this country. The wealth gap is perpetuated by a destabilized society, and society is most destabilized by having a whole bunch of people in this country who've grown up without parents in their house. We've made it very easy to jail black men in this country as well. That has something to do with it. A lot of black men are in jail for petty theft, crimes, things that they lived in terrible communities, broken communities. Uh, They didn't have the job opportunities for them. They resorted to selling drugs and the like, often to white people in the rich suburbs, and the young black man who sells the drugs goes to jail, and the white guy gets the pass. There is some level of that there that you do have to appreciate and acknowledge, but it's not the overriding thing. The overriding thing is government dependence made it very easy for people to devalue marriage and devalue dads and break up families and produce an entire generation of kids without parents at home. And we are paying a price. And you know the easiest way to fix it is for you yourself to commit to staying in a marriage and realizing that happiness is the byproduct of marriage, not the product of marriage. That some people get into marriage and think, well, I love this person and I'm going to get married to this person. And, you know, actually the, the love and the happiness are the byproduct of working on your marriage. They're not because you got into the marriage and you may need to stay there for the kids. And that gets me so much hate mail for saying it. It gets me attacked by the left for saying it. It gets me attacked by all sorts of people for saying it. But all I will tell you is the objective data that's out there suggests get married and stay married and your kids are more successful, do better in life academically and wind up being happy themselves and producing a stable marriage themselves. Funny how it replicates itself. Now, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile before I get out of here. I got a question the other day and I mentioned this and someone was confused when I mentioned the phrase porting your phone number. What is that? Uh, With Patriot Mobile, if you have an existing telephone number, Congress changed the law years ago. The phone number is yours even though your phone company gave it to you. So let's say you've got a phone number. So 877-973-7425. That's my phone number for this show. It's my number. The phone company gave it to me, but they can't take it away from me. And I can take this phone number for the rest of my life as long as I do the show and carry it from provider to provider. Same with your phone number, whatever it is. And so you can take it to Patriot Mobile and say, hey, port my phone number over. I want you to be my cell phone company, but I don't want to get a new phone number because everyone has this one. It's a hassle. Patriot Mobile can do that for you. Not only that, they can give you great discounts. If you're a first responder, if you're a veteran, if you're a teacher, if you're an NRA member, if you've got a large family, you need multiple lines, they can take care of you. What? What you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, and you get 
free activation with my name. You can also call them if you're averse to doing this sort of stuff over the series of tubes known as the internet. You can call them over the series of tubes known as the phone lines and they'll transfer your number over or give you a new number, work with you on your existing phone if it's unlocked or get you a new phone. You can pick how you want the coverage. They've got great coverage nationwide, 5G, data voice, you name it. Call them at 972-PATRIOT. Tell them Eric sent you. You get free activation, 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Well, uh, Jason Kinney, the premier of Alberta, Canada, looks like the truckers' uh, protests up there have worked. Uh, They will end all restrictions, including the vaccine mandate and passport, beginning next week uh, up in Alberta. You know, it's amazing how the media was willing to disparage the trucker platform. And uh, Justin Trudeau, the... Canadian premier calling it racism and the like while praising Black Lives Matters as peaceful protests. Absolutely absurd, but at least the government there is starting to cave on this issue as they should. Uh, this has been just ridiculousness in Canada. It, it reminds you, you know, it, what sets this country apart, we can squabble with each other. My gosh, are we squabbling with each other these days? But we've got 50 states where the healthcare power and the police power largely reside, and we've had an easier go of it than a lot of more authoritarian countries, even countries that are purported democracies imposing the government's will on the people instead of the people on the government. Uh, We continue to be a government of the people, for the people, and by the people which is good. A lot of these, uh, I mean, even the the British uh, derived countries out there, um, despite constitutional monarchies and stuff, are clearly heavy-handed governments imposing their will on the people. You know, Boris Johnson, the premier, uh, premier prime minister of Great Britain, looks like he could be out of a job for hypocrisy, partying while the country was under a lockdown, uh, partying the night before Prince Philip's funeral, had a big bash at at. Uh, number 10 Downing Street that appears to have broken the law. He could be under all sorts of problems. Um, It's it's just something to me. It really is. Um, Really, really something. So, in any event, well, look, we're almost out of time, but before we get out of here, we might as well, well, ridicule an idiot. Uh, Pramila Jayapal, she's the leader of progressives in the House of Representatives. She wants Starbucks to have price caps. She says, despite soaring profits, they're raising prices again. We can't accept this corporate greed. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to shop at Starbucks. They got terrible coffee anyway. But interestingly enough, um, Starbucks is raising prices because of higher costs. Yes, profits have gone up a bit uh, at Starbucks. But you don't have to shop there. You know, you don't have to buy their terrible coffee. You can shop local if you want to shop local. But she wants to just impose price controls on Starbucks. What an idiot. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. 
Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.